espresso. Mac. Espresso mac. Espresso. another episode of crystal myth with myself leslie and mark and yasmin hi hello hey so this week we are going to be talking about the mysterious world of reincarnation um so just to talk to start off this topic if you were reincarnated in the next life what would you rather be an animal a human or you know what would you want to be, oh, Mark? I don't know. I could see benefits of being all three. I suppose it would depend what animal you were or what family you were born into. But I think ideally, I'd quite like to be born as either a, a like sentient being or some sort of animally creature on another planet, just to see what that was mm. like. So yeah, that would be my choice. That's that's interesting. Could you be reincarnated outside of this galaxy, or are you just restricted? the earth i would assume outside the galaxy i think if i was restricted to the earth i'd maybe like to be a whale, then a whale. Else... <laughs> yes a whale i was gonna say something really mean but i'll, I'll leave it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. my god yeah Asmin, what, what do you think what would you if you could be reincarnated as anything honestly i'd probably be a cat because i could literally just laser around have someone rub my head all day and do fuck all <laughs> it'd be great yeah. Do you be a domestic cat, not just like yeah. a cat in the jungle? Okay. Yeah, so on the jungle, I'd have to actually go out and hunt and stuff, or just mm. fly around, be stroked and fed, and just, yeah, rule the house. Because <laughs> 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 everyone knows that the cats rule the house. So. For me, I don't really know. Um, I mean, like being a human being is fucking hard work. It's tough. Life is tough. So, like Yasmin's saying, being a pamper is quite sweet. So I might just join you. I'll be your cat bed. And we can just lose about in our cat bed together and lick each other. Oh, God. (laughs) 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 This is getting into the realms of, like, porn here. Yeah. (laughs) Right, so let's focus on reincarnation. I think maybe we just start with the sort of origins of reincarnation. It goes way back in time reading about this here right let me go it sort of starts i mean it's probably been around i mean i'm presuming that maybe cave people or neolithic people might have had some thoughts on it i don't know but the sort of first time it was recorded or in a philosophical sense was in greece ancient greece and the word for reincarnation was called metempsychosis which means the transmigration of the spirit from one body to another. In India, it is assumed that the soul can reincarnate in many human bodies and also in animal bodies. 
theory of metapsychosis is exactly this. The reincarnations of spirits can occur in both human and animal bodies. And it says within spiritualism, the soul cannot regress. It can stay the same, but the evolution of the spirit does not allow backtracking. Therefore, spiritism admits reincarnation as a process of successive existences, retaking the spirit different physical vessels, but continuing from the same evolutionary point where it left for a new learning or to restore the balance lost in earlier ages. I don't, I don't really understand that. No, I, I think so, I get what that means. Like, it just makes sense that if part of you still exists when you die, why would there be, like, a reset button on it? I think that's basically what they're saying. So it uh, wouldn't... Why would it go back to being something entirely new when it already existed? It only makes sense to say that it would have to keep going. Would that not mean you would always keep coming back as, like, like say, a woman or something? Because that means you couldn't come back as something else. So I thought, like, with Indians, they more had this concept of, or, like, sort of Indian religions, this concept of, depending on how you've lived your life, that then dictates how you come back. Yeah, that's a sort of karma thing, like the reincarnation theory is that, um, what is it, the samsara? So you go through mm-hmm. so many cycles by uh, sort of progressing up levels to the point where you don't need to be reincarnated anymore you just become one with what's his name Brahman Brahman yeah that's it I'm trying to remember this so you just become you don't have it to the point where you don't even have a personality anymore you just are God and set like you're just you sort of merge in there's two different views in Hinduism though so that's Advaita Vedantin philosophy that you're talking about which is where you die eventually when you get to a high enough level you don't need to be reincarnated again so like you say you die and you kind of merge with Brahman and you cease to exist but then there's the other philosophical view which is possessed Advaitin philosophy and they mm-hmm. teach that basically when you get high enough up in the reincarnation level you die and you're not born again in human or animal form but you effectively go to like kind of like a heavenly realm and Brahman is the heavenly realm so it's almost like instead of it being God, it's heaven. So you like live inside of it and then you're able to recall everything. So like Yaz said, oh, well, what if you were like a woman and you were born again as a man and then you were born again as a cat or whatever? Like you would have all of those memories. So you would remember what you learned in all your lives as a woman, all your lives as a man, all your lives as an intersex Uh, person, all your lives as a cat, all your lives as a dog. That sounds bad. Like I liked, I really liked the idea of just not remembering anything and just becoming nothing, just one with the universe you know you are just just you just be but you don't have any burden of memories or anything like that it sounds so peaceful i don't i can see the appeal of both of them though like i can see the joy and not having any worries and everything being gone and you just yeah being part of the natural world but then i don't know i feel like i prefer the other one like i'd maybe quite like to at some point be reincarnated as a tree so that you could be part of the natural world and then eventually when you were free from samsara then you could be like oh yeah i remember when i was a tree i learned so much about the natural world it was lovely well you're a tree would you not be like bored or that you'd have no concept of anything else anyway that would be all you would know but maybe time for trees is different for us you know time doesn't they don't understand like not understand but they don't feel time pass as we do or maybe we only have the opportunity to become bored because we have human lives that are full of so much stimulation. And even if you came back as like a hedgehog, there would still be some stimulation there. But like maybe 
we have way more of a capacity to be bored than a hedgehog. And then a tree has way less capacity to be bored than us. Like maybe a tree is too busy concentrating on the tiny little intricacies of like photosynthesis and like the soil being mulched around it and things like that, that it finds. <laughs> this has turned into a really, really weird philosophical discussion really quickly. <laughs> but like, yeah, if you were a tree, you'd find joy in things that we can't find joy in because we're not trees at the moment. That makes sense. And there is a theory that trees trees talk to each other, to other plants or other trees. They communicate via their roots and they have some, they admit some sort of tree language and plants do it as well. So there's plants, say there's a, there's a type of berry that when it gets eaten, it, it, it tastes very sweet. But then if something starts to eat it, it will send a signal to all the other sort of plants and berries around it. And then they just turn sour. That's uh, so interesting. Like, oh, Stop it. But I think that's kind of collective consciousness as <laughs> another topic. Uh, yeah, that's linked to collective consciousness. If we have, have time, I can yammer about that a bit today because, yeah, I can keep it brief. But if not, we'll do another episode on it. We'll just see how, how our chat works out on reincarnation. But yeah, you're right. I think that does link to collective consciousness. So back to the history of reincarnation, I find it interesting that Plato, philosopher who's born around the year 427 BC, which is before Christ, taught that the soul is born many times, even for 10,000 years, and then it parts to heavenly bliss. So that's similar to the Indian kind of reincarnation philosophy. Yeah, that's like the resist that Veda one. Mm, and that's completely different culture altogether. Completely yeah, different. I didn't know that, actually, but like the Greeks, no idea. It's quite interesting, actually, because they do say that concepts do evolve over time as well. But it's just interesting it's went from like mainly in Europe to like this being a predominantly Asian concept. It's quite yeah. interesting how that would have evolved and moved so far. Although when saying that, like Europe. prior to like Abraham, I suppose nearly everywhere had some sort of concept of reincarnation. I think because all your sort of ancient European pagan religions seem to have yeah. some sort of belief in reincarnation. A lot of your Middle Eastern religions had some sort of belief in reincarnation. So I think like in the ancient world, it seemed to be pretty common. Well, speaking of the ancient world, I was looking into ancient Egypt because it's something I'm very interested in. And they, I quite like this because it reminds me of you, Yasmin, that the ancient Egyptians, although they were obsessed with the afterlife, there was a period where they were extremely cynical about it and pessimistic. Whereas it says, for example, it says throughout the feudal age and the imperial age, the interest in the afterlife, afterlife began to decline and ceased to be the glorious dwellings of the souls from those who departed. Many tombs had already been sacked and remained an un- unconvincing testimony to the claims of the immortality of their dead. They found an inscription on a papyrus that expresses with lamentation, death plucks a man from his house and throws him into the hills. He will never return to contemplate the sun. Oh. And then there's another one that says, he who dwells in the tomb does not perceive your lamentations. Therefore, with joyful serenity, celebrate a holiday and do not rest during that day. For no one takes their property with them and no one who has gone from here returns. So there's a lot of pessimism back then about life after death. Um, But there was beliefs about transmigration and reincarnation 
reincarnation in ancient Egypt. And this is good, like there's a Greek philosopher, Herodotus, who is a Greek historian who spent some time in Egypt. He wrote, the Egyptians were the first to hold that the soul of a man is immortal and that when the body dies, it enters other animals, constantly reborn to existence, that once it has passed through different kinds of terrestrial, marine and aerial beings, it enters again to the body of a man and that this rotation takes place in a lapse of 3,000 years. So what they mean by that is that they're saying that it was fought after the death the incarnated in ascending order into successive stages through inferior forms so you start out as a, it's like a big light like cycle so you're finished as a human that's your final form then you die then you go back through all the different like smaller life forms like insects and things like that and then finally after three thousand years you would function again in a human form <laughs> i don't know, I like that, that idea yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really into that i think with both those comments, because you were saying about like that sort of cynicism towards mm. reincarnation. I think with all of those, though, they're still acknowledging that there's life after death. It's just almost doubting whether there's, like, it's very different to reincarnation that we think of today, because the ancient Egyptians thought that you took all this stuff with you. And uh-huh. I think that's, I think that's that just the kings, Egypt. the kings that did that. Whereas the I common see- people probably thought, oh, fuck them, taking all their gold and their servants with them. So I feel- probably that part of the concept has been rejected mm. and left behind that yeah. once you're gone, you're gone but what happens after that is the big question mark but you're not taking anything with you really yeah there's, a few, there's there's ritualistic names of the first two kings of the 19th dynasty seem to confirm that they would reincarnate the name of Amenhemat the first meant he who repeats births the name of Senseret the first meant he who births live. And then in addition, in the 19th dynasty, the name Ka of Sekki the first was repeater of births. The 29th dynasty in, during the imperial period left records indicating that reincarnation affects ordinary people. The Book of the Dead contains a dozen chapters with spells, magic rites to recite to help the deceased reincarnate. Chapter 20% spells to make them exist in living forms again. Sorry, can you repeat the question? Saying, so do they believe that everybody gets reincarnated or just some people? No, and I think if, ordinary people. Yeah, because it says that they've left records indicating that reincarnation affects ordinary people. But maybe the whole, you know, like all the, the kings and the, the pharaohs and the aristocracy all got buried in elaborate tombs. That was just special for them. But the common people just, you know, had a different way mm, of being buried. Yeah, they, 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 the aristocratic people took all their stuff with them to live with the gods in the afterlife or something because the pharaoh thought he was a, like a reincar- like the embodiment of the god Horus or Ra or whatever but then the, the ordinary people could potentially come back to life maybe that's what the mummification was I don't know who knows Again, to go back in time and speak to them really <laughs> similar to Hinduism as well because they believe that everybody gets to be reincarnate, reincarnated but that sometimes the gods are reincarnated so there will be some people that will have existed that like are like Parvati for example on earth but most of us just go through a cycle of reincarnation where like you say you're kind of leveling up to a sort of better Hindu lifestyle until you can be the perfect Hindu and therefore 
either yeah kind of reach nirvana to cease to exist yeah but i disagree with the caste system and that whereby people are trapped in poverty and they can't progress in this life and their existing life because according to the hinduism or the the concept of caste that's where you're put in your next life and you stay there until you can go up one so you're not allowed to progress in your current life what, which is like a what, really bad class system yeah what allows, what's sorry. that yes what would then allow you to go up if you're stuck in that caste what would let you go up or what would let you, you, you have well i think you have to be the best you can be as in that caste so still look yeah. after your parents and people around you and do the best you can to do good deeds or whatever in that life but you have and the goal is to pro- and meditate and you know like follow the doctrines of hinduism and then you can progress spiritually to the next level i think though with you comparing it to class like i don't know who wrote it so i can't actually sort like cite them which and it was quite bad but it was about six years ago but i remember reading an article by a hindu scholar that i thought was quite interesting because they basically said but British people are really judgmental of the caste system and I agree with you I think it's wrong but then he went on to say but exactly as you said but you have a class system that's exactly the same if not worse the difference, yeah <laughs> but he said well the difference is if the caste system's correct then if you're born into poverty then in your next life you might get to be born into a wealthier family whereas if the class system's right then just in what in your one life you're born into poverty and your life shit the end which I'm paraphrasing slightly, but but I thought, yeah, that's a fair point because I think the caste system's wrong, but then I also think the class system is wrong. And certainly if you look at Britain as opposed to just Scotland, we definitely have a class system. So it's kind yeah, of like the same working, thing. Working class people are sort of looked down on by middle class people. I'd, I'd say that the people who are considered re- like aristocrats, you know, like are actually poorer but they've just inherited all this, like these big buildings that they can't afford because they're mental. They tend to be crazy people. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Then you've got all like the whole rich, um, new rich and old rich and new money and new... Yeah, look down on the middle class people. What would you say you were? Middle class? (laughs) I think we're middle class, by the way. I I mean, yeah, I don't know why I said which one of us. Yeah, I mean, I suppose... Te- technically by income I guess I'm middle class yeah. I think yeah. I'm, I mean I'm, I think I'm lower middle class because I'm not overly I wealthy you, I have bought a home so exactly. the fact that you can afford to buy a home makes middle class yeah I'm never gonna afford to buy a place um <laughs> but no I think just the fact that you're educated and you have a degree makes you middle class yeah, but because I have a degree I think in colouring in. <laughs> you don't have a degree in colouring in. <laughs> How many art school does that count? Colouring yes, it definitely counts. Playing about with muds, like. And to be honest, I'd actually say yeah that that going to art school is a particularly middle class degree. Actually, yeah, it's really pretentious. <laughs> it's like yeah, I don't. That might make you to learn something practical and get a job. I can just fanny about art school. <laughs> I realise I said that and laughed at you, even though I'm a theologian, so who am I to laugh at anyone? Like, I did a very, very um, working class degree of theology. But yeah, going to art school is definitely a, a middle class thing to do. Yeah. 
definitely. Yeah, but yeah, as when you're in finance, a lot of people tend to think finance people who work in finance are like, you know, yuppies that like do cocaine. <laughs> I'm thinking of the eighties, so <laughs> Yeah. It's not all parties and cocaine. And also probably thinking of like front office traders and brokers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Not like we ops people like us that make the bank run. We're like genuinely you know the thing, we're like the plebs in the background that make everything run. The we're plebs. not actually bankers. You're like the minions. <laughs> we're no, like the vampires at the top. Yeah, it's the problem, again, as I always like to mention with being under a Tory government, is why we have like a clear class which is compatible to caste system because, yeah, they kind of present it like, oh, you can climb to the top of the tower, but really mean if you work your hardest and you're from a working class background, you could get to having a job that's at like a tier like yours, Jazz, what is actually that is still like middle class. It's not even really an upper middle class job. Like Boris so Johnson is so yeah. high up because his family are insanely yeah. rich. Like And it's the and, problem is that people who go to Eton tend to be Prime Minister, but they tend to be a bit daft and, and it's like people can't get around their heads that you know you can have someone who didn't well maybe Tony Blair I don't think he went eating but he was a bit of a dick as well so um (laughs) so it's like people can't understand the concept of like a common person I say common person lightly I just mean someone who hasn't isn't a sort of posh wanker who went to Eton in the sort of high level office of prime minister that why can people accept Jeremy Corbyn that's why they all were Oh no, no, we can't have him. Yeah, it's like the Kate Middleton thing, like the controversy at the time of a member of the royal family marrying what was literally described as a commoner, and it's like Kate Middleton, yeah, just like based on her pocket money when she was sixteen, could probably <laughs> literally buy and sell the three of us. Like she's mentally minted. Because even like in my work, you can tell within the same company there is a class system. Like, I will never make it to those crazy high-paying millionaires because I didn't go to Cambridge or Oxford and mummy and daddy didn't buy me anything. So even within the same company, you can tell that people are different and you'll be kept in your place. Like, people in back office and front office, it's very hard to jump, like, levels. Um, Even when some of our managers like oh during corona like my cleaner and my nanny couldn't come and like there and oh boy can come clean the swimming pool and we're like wow you just live in a completely different world to the rest of us it's like so, yeah yeah when when you told me that you had a cleaner i thought that was amazing because i was like wow i've never had a cleaner in my life that would be good but then that seemed quite posh to me <laughs> I think what I spend on a cleaner, you probably spend on coffee. <laughs> nah, probably just spend it on <laughs> beer. <laughs> but oh, I don't know how insensitive this is going to sound, but like cleaners in London are like a tenner an hour. Amazing. Like literally oh. amazing. So yeah. yeah, I spent like 30 quid a month on a cleaner. Maybe maybe it's because I'm not used to that kind of thing. Like in London, I get it, right? But I feel like having a cleaner is like having a servant in the house. <laughs> like, if you're sharing a flat with someone, yeah. the cleanings, your cleaning, that's the thing. It's, you feel like you don't want to clean up after someone else. So between the two of you, or the three of you, or however many people are in that house, getting someone in once a month, every couple of weeks to like deep clean the place. It's it's not the same as having someone living in their house. They literally come in for like two, three hours, clean the place and then disappear again. So it's, 
like we don't have one now but when I was in like a shared apartment like we did have cleaners come in um but yeah this right. one very off top <laughs> please yeah, edit all yeah. that out <laughs> to make fucking cleaners <laughs> well let, let's get back to one topic so if you're reincarnated as a rich person like a billionaire or something if you're born into a billionaire's family does that mean that you were always rich before or is it? do you think it's possible to go from a cycle of being poor to being incredibly rich and then back to being incredibly poor again? I mean, or is it just chance? I think it's to do with how but good your it... family are, though, because I think in the West we kind of misinterpret what the ideas of reincarnation are because it's to do with how kind your family are. Like there's, um, oh, right, hold on. I'll, I'll remember the words. So... The very, very top tier in Hindu reincarnation is based around Yana Marga, which is the idea that you would like have a family that were really dedicated to studying scripture and learning about like Hindu mysticism and Hindu philosophy. And then your tier below that, you would want people to be really dedicated to Karma Marga, which is the idea that you would like be kind to others. So Karma Marga. Sorry, you laugh at that. <laughs> Just sounds so, like made up. <laughs> I'm not making words up. Okay. Them real. Yeah, so I would kind of buy into that. Like the idea is the better person you are, the better, like literally the better family you're born into in your next life. So your yeah, family. You can, get a, you can get a lot of arsehole billionaires and you think, well, what did they, if you think of karma, why why were they rewarded with a rich life? But then you, are you not per- saying, are you mm-hmm. now associating money with success and money with happiness and being no. good? Yeah, I was, I was going to get it for that because they could be like unhappy, but I don't know. I think I would like to imagine that if I had, if I came into a lot of money, I could do a lot of good with it. Whereas you get these greedy billionaires who don't, they just hoard it like dragons sitting on a massive pile of treasure. Yeah. That's because you're a good person, though. Thank That's you. That's the difference. Oh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like if you're extraordinarily wealthy, you can live a happy life by helping other people which will cause you to be happy by seeing their happiness, which is actually the idea of karma marga anyway. So even if you're not Hindu, you're kind of being a wee bit Hindu. But but yeah, I don't think that being rich automatically makes you happy. And I don't think it automatically equates to your family being good either, because talking about the people that go to like Eton, for example, I mean, if you look at it historically, a lot of their families made money out of the slave trade or things connected to the slave trade. So, yeah, they're really wealthy, but they're really wealthy because they're evil, not because they're good. So I don't think I, if there is a God, they would reward you by putting you in a family of slave traders. Or it could be that, okay, you've been reincarnated, you've been born into this rich family, and it's based on if you do good or bad with that money. So if you've done a lot of good with that money, then when you're reincarnated again, you're still as a, as a good family. But if you do bad with that, then when you're reincarnated, you'll come back as something lower or something worse well yeah, I like... have a theory okay right listen to this so like this is something that me and my boyfriend were discussing when we were talking about reincarnation and we came up with this thing where you are like the quantum leap theory where you can only be reincarnated as someone you know within your lifetime so eventually I could become you and then you could become right, me that's... so you would right. come back so you would so if you came back to me, I'd be dead already. Right. So we we live, right? One of us dies, and then later on, eventually we're all dead, and then I'll be reincarnated. You could come back looking like me, 
and then I could come back looking like you <laughs> or my personality. So, uh, yeah, is this a, how you look like or how your personality is? Because this has is the thing, personality. I mean, so you... like you could be your your grandpa could then be reincarnated into your. Oh no, I'm confusing myself now. <laughs> no, I get what you mean. Time doesn't Look, actually work linearly, yeah. right? From a not from a philosophical standpoint, from a physics standpoint, mm-hmm. so time doesn't work linearly. We just perceive it to work that way. It can actually like back on itself and loop and stuff. So right. basically, like Yasmin, you could be my gran, even though you and my gran were alive at the same time and have met one another. And Leslie, I could be the reincarnation of you, even though no, right? Put it this way, right? See, at the same time. Okay, say you have a family, right? And you, well, it's different for you because you'll you'll be adopting children, so that wouldn't quite work unless those adopted children were somehow reincarnations of your family in some way, right? So you have you go on to have a family the next generation. Your daughter could be your grandfather, or it could be me, and so it's like a circle. It's like a recycling of all these different people that you know within your lifetime but it's restricted to that that circle so that doesn't mean you have to be related then no you don't have to be related you have to be close to someone so it could be a friend but it has right. to be people you know within your lifetime does that make sense i think so we, yeah. so we could all have known each other in a previous life and that's why we are good friends and that's why we're close to each other and we're still friends after all this time and then there's some people who are just acquaintances, but there's some people who you just really connect with and you have that connection. And it could be that we all just knew each other previously and it just recycles. So in another next generation, we could be completely look like completely different people, but our personalities are, we sort of find each other again in a different life. Does that make sense? It does. Like, and <laughs> did I ever tell you guys about when I went for past life regression therapy? I think no. you did. I remember you were going to it, but I can't remember what the result of that was. So I'm well, really intrigued. Some of the, which we can kind of look back to, like some of the things that I believed that I saw and so on, um, we can go back to. But yeah, now that you're saying that, actually there was a couple of different people who I saw in like the induced vision that they had me in, where afterwards like I came out with my mum and I went for tea. And I was like, I know this sounds really odd, but even though like in one of them I was with my brother but it wasn't my brother like one of my actual brothers it was somebody I went to primary school with but it didn't look like him I just knew as me not as the me then this is Mm -hmm. sounding very complicated so I hope you get what I mean (laughs) that that was who it was so sorry I was gonna say it's like when you're in a dream and you know that that person in front of you is Mr X even though you don't know who that is in real life yeah, so yeah. like, yeah, it's exactly that. So like, I've had a dream before where, like, you were there, Yaz, but actually Julia Roberts was there, but she was you. Yeah. So I was like, this is my mate, Yaz, but aesthetically, it was Julia Roberts. Yeah, it was exactly like that. So I was like, even though I was a wee kid and I was playing with my little brother, I was like, in my head, both it was my little brother that was a year younger than me in my past life, but also, even though it didn't look like him. It was a boy I went to primary school with. And, and that's was like someone that. you know in your lifetime, so there you go. Yeah, and weirdly actually someone that kind of bobs in and out of my life on occasion. Like, we're not close friends or anything, but I do see him quite a lot. Like, he's he knows other people I know. 
he knows my cousins. He went out with someone that I'm really good friends with. And she was like, oh, this is my new boyfriend. And I was like, oh, we already know each other. So, yeah, it's a bit strange that... Yeah, it's I like, I know this, sound, this is going to sound mental, but when I first saw David in school, I just felt like he was it. Like, that's that's the one I need to be with for some reason. Like, I, I knew him. Like, I, I just felt in my gut, like, I need to be with this person. And now we're together. Sure. And I, f- yeah, and... I feel like I mean, I as if I've known him. Him. I do agree that that is what your reaction was because you were very like, do you know uh-huh. who this guy is? I saw him. I'm going to go out with him. He's great. Yeah. Even though I just, like, I literally just saw him and I was like, <laughs> but then it, for, I didn't think you were being weird when you told me that. I, I feel like the way you said that, I was like, yeah, agreed. That makes sense. <laughs> and it's like I tried to go out with other people and it just didn't feel right. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I felt like if I continue to go out with this person, I won't be happy. I have to have David. And I am happy. We've, I mean, it's not been perfect, but I feel like that is, he is my, my spiritual life partner for some reason. If I just yeah, I do. I, don't, I, I mean, I do. Of all the different beliefs about like what could happen after you die, the one I'm sold on anyway as reincarnation, like, I, I, I agree. I think because energy we're made up of energy this is my philosophy we're made up of energy energy can't die it has to transform in some way or move on so i don't think i can't imagine there's going to be a place like in heaven where everyone who's ever lived is all crammed together i mean what would you do all day you'd be bored i I think it comes to a point or maybe you could stay there for a while and then decide nah i'm gonna i'm just gonna move on and go back and do something else like in the good place they're in heaven for a long long time like what seems like thousands and thousands of years and then it gets to the point where they're like i can't do this anymore i'm bored so they invent a door that you just walk through and that's you gone who knows where you might go back down air or you might go and become incarnation and something else it's like a big circle i like the idea of that yeah and i think that kind of both what you said about like energy doesn't die but then also everything's always in a constant like state of change so putting those two things together I feel like reincarnation just makes sense because, yeah, why would we die but then still exist because things don't cease to exist but then just kind of go float somewhere forever? But then the population has increased, so how do you explain new like new people? Because obviously there'd be less souls about, less energy about the start of humanity or whatever life. So how how does that work? But then we are constantly wiping creatures off the globe that are a lot smaller than us. So the amount of human life increases, but the amount of life of plants and animals decreases dramatically every year. So again, if everything's interconnected in it, then that would explain there wouldn't be like an overabundance of souls because let's say this is like Yazzie's first time as a person. Maybe that's because in your last life, Yaz, you were a A butterfly. A butterfly. Yeah, a butterfly that's been wiped out and then now you can't be a butterfly again because that species of butterfly doesn't exist anymore but you can be a woman sad. a little bit sad <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry your species has been wiped out how dare you wipe me I'd quite like to do the past life regression hypnotherapy but I'm convinced that no one can hypnotize me I'm too resistant to it I won't I don't like not being in control of my own reality so I will resist it and I won't go along with it okay like I don't know if like I didn't I feel like I wanted to be hypnotized but I didn't think it would actually work 
So that's a different thing. I don't know if you genuinely don't believe you can be hypnotized, then I guess maybe it won't work. But I was like, I don't really see this working, but I'm fine to, on the off chance it does work, like try it. And it definitely did work. Did you feel like you were sleeping and dreaming or that you're awake and conscious and knew, like aware that you were being hypnotized? I felt like I was playing a game on... Why are you talking like a robot? Because (laughs) I am a game. Um, I was trying to think how to word it while saying it. Yeah, I feel like it was like I was playing a hyper-realistic game that had a lot of dialogue screens rather than screens where I chose to do anything. And it was like I was watching the dialogue screen. How many reincarnations did you go through? Like, did you go back in time? Did you know, was there a timeline here? Did you realise you were in a different era? Like, or was it just like in the 60s or something? It was very much like, yeah, it wasn't, the information you got wasn't necessarily like, I feel like when you watch past life regression on TV and like, whatever, like sitcoms and stuff, it's very much like, the year is 1722. My name is Margaret. Like the person shouting things out at the person. Whereas that wasn't what it was. It, it was, so he hypnotized me and then he said, he basically hypnotized me to imagine I was in a corridor, but I wasn't, but I was to imagine that I was. So all I could really see was darkness. And then he said, imagine there's lots of doors in the corridor. Yeah. And then he was basically like, just pick a door, go through it and tell me what's going on. Yeah, so that's, I've really heard know, that's what they do. It seemed really real or like I was really watching something, but it wasn't like I didn't know times. I didn't know places. Yeah, I had no idea where I was, or what time it was. I could just kind of catch a glimpse of what was going on in that moment I was viewing. So, so how do you know mm-hmm. it's not just memories and dreams merged together? Like exactly the dreams are? Like, I mean, it could convinced- be. I don't know. I just... It, it didn't feel like a, it didn't, it, it wasn't like reflecting on a memory and it wasn't the same experience as having a dream or having a daydream. It, it was completely different from both of them. And yeah, it was weird because it felt like I was watching. Did it feel it was like, yeah, uh-huh. everything felt like I'd already seen it. I kind of like it was my memory and that the person I was watching was definitely me as though I was watching like an old family video of myself. I knew it was me. I knew I was watching me. What did your how was, me. how was your mum's experience? Did she, did she discover anything? Oh, she didn't actually get the regression therapy. Oh, she just came I along. She was doing it with for, you. Oh, for, okay. You know, she was thinking about it, and then she decided just to come along with me and oh. see how I found it. And then we did agree afterwards that we were going to go back and that she wanted to get it done, but then we never did. Right. Well, I've got a thing here that says signs eight signs that you may have lived a past life from reader's digest <laughs> so i was shooting something actually it's quite interesting yeah it says and, and speaking of dreams it says if you have recurring dreams inexplicable skills or you just have a strong affinity for another era you may have roamed this earth once before here's what experts know so first one hypnosis and life regression says who was i in a past life is a question People tend to ask their local psychic, but there are plenty of psychologists who truly believe in past lives and base their practices on the concept. One such person is internationally known hypnotherapist Scott Charmit, Char, uh, 
Charmerin, I think, who has appeared on Oprah and the Howard Stern <laughs> show. Oprah's she's she's had a lot of bullshit artists on her show. Um, I take my client into a deep hypnotic state, he says, and then move them backward on the timeline of their life. I take them to their birth and then move them through a doorway to a time before this present life. This is called the past life regression and used by many hypnotherapists. That sounds like something similar to what happened to you. Mark. Yeah, not exactly the same, but similar. A door. So it says, you have persistent memories. Have you ever heard someone say they feel like they were born in the wrong era? When someone feels very strongly about that, some psychologists interpret it as a possible sign of being connected to a former life. They also might want to check out what their birth order says about them. I don't know what that means. Dr. John McGrail, a clinical hypnotherapist who's been featured in Time, the Chicago Tribune and New York Daily News, says this characteristic is common among people who may have lived past lives. He describes these feelings as persistent memories or intuitive feelings or being somewhere, somewhere else some uh, another time. This can be accompanied by physical manifestation like a birthmark that when looked at invokes a feeling or a memory. See the birthmark thing? There was a study, there was a guy, a doctor, who studied that in children and often found that children who claimed they had past lives had birthmarks where they were killed in a previous time, like a bullet wound. They had the birthmark in their head that looked like an entry and an exit wound. And it makes mm. me think of my niece because she was born with a little sort of strawberry birthmark on her on her belly and I'm thinking well what what would that signify I've not had I didn't have any birthmarks maybe your uh, niece is the reincarnation of Christ himself and it's where the spear was well, plunged into her tonight. speaking of which right there's two people who believe that they are the the embodiment of the reincarnation of Christ there's two of them how does that work both of them yeah so one of them is oh sorry yes Mm-hmm. like I was going to say what gets me with all these things it's like it's all saying oh these might be signs if you've been reincarnated but if people that believe in reincarnation think it's an actual fact why doesn't everyone have these memories why yeah I mean it's like I could claim that you know I love ancient Egypt and I love anything to do with history I went there um you're Egyptian <laughs> I don't know and uh, that I must have some sort of link yeah that I had a past life in ancient Egypt and that's why I'm so drawn to it but then I also loved the 19 sort of 20s era the flapper age but then that's linked to Egypt as well because that's when they discovered Tutankhamun mm. and and like, I always have been, hmm? been reincarnated several times yeah so yeah different pools yeah and I'm also really interested in like King Charles II I love him I've, I've got an absolute fascination with that king. So maybe I was some way involved in his court or I was just, you know, a person that hung about when he was king at the time. You know, there's stuff like that that fascinates me. But then that could just be I'm interested in it. doesn't mean I was ever involved. It could be. And like Yaz says, like, it's a bit odd. Like, why do other people not have it? Because I remember in uni, I found it really fascinating when we were talking about deja vu one day. And I found out that apparently quite a lot of people I've never experienced deja vu. And I was like, I have it all what? the time. Yeah, I get deja vu all the time. I just thought everybody got it all the time. I get it a lot. There we go. We're all linked. Yeah, and you, it is weird because you start to question your own sanity. You think, I'm definitely, I've definitely have a feeling that I've said this before or I've been here before. And you just can't, and it lasts for about a minute for me. And then it just sort of goes away. But when it's happening, 
happening it's so strange the weirdest version of that that i've ever had and this is going to sound mental because i'm about to use the word haunting and then tell you what it is but it gave me this really weird haunting feeling that's clung with me and when i had past life regression the feeling that i had when i was having that is the only feeling that i've ever had that i can compare to this so you know the film that was like the documentary film on the life of boy george i think it yeah. was called a boy yeah so yeah. when i watched that there's a bit in it when they go to the club that's run by oh, i can't remember his name but it doesn't matter basically they go to a club a nightclub that was owned by a really famous 80s pop star oh that was steve strange it was steve strange so they go to steve strange nightclub and the set designers because i looked it up afterwards because it freaked me out had set it out exactly so that it looked the same and I was watching it and just had this weird, overwhelming, strange, spooky feeling where I was like, I can't concentrate on what's going on because I've been... Hmm. That's this, like, I, I was totally like, I have... see you in a new wave. Yeah. Sort of era <laughs> but it was wave. so... Sh- I was like, I have been to this club and everyone was dressed the way they are dressed just now. Like, 100% <laughs> I've been to this club. But that makes no sense because I think it shut down like two or three years after I was born. So I was like, well, I've not, but, and I just, it was, I can't, I can't explain it. It was just so strange that I was like, a hundred percent, I've been there. I, I just have this weird feeling that I've been there. I remember being there and I don't know why. So yeah, I, I think that, that maybe I died relatively young, right before this life. But then when I had past life regression, strangely as well, because of what you said, Yaz, maybe it's like tapping into dreams or things that were already in your head. I kind of expected if it did work that I would have that my past life it would be very clearly like 80s based and would possibly take place in that club because I went in well being hypnotized with that in my brain uh, nothing to do with that at all which that's weird. Yeah, do you know what's really what's really really weird is see at the start of this when you started talking about that club I got really weird deja vu like you've told us a story before <laughs> that's so <laughs> weird maybe maybe we, were, maybe we were all like clubbing in there before we were exactly all right. I was going to say maybe you're thinking <laughs> and maybe we were all also mates then and we're out at a club together do you know what's even spookier mark see recent do you know what's even spookier see recently i've been getting right into 80s new wave music that's all i can listen to and i'm i'm loving it so much like i'm always listening to it on apple music that's like all the sort of early synth pop from the 80s that would have been played in that club which is as you know one of my like favorite genres of music anyway which in itself is also weird because I get that we all grew up in the 80s or we're small in the 80s but like my parents aren't into synth pop so it's a bit strange that I've always been really into it yeah I'm I'm convinced that although I feel like everything we talk about I'm convinced of it (laughs) once again Deja Vu is one of the signs of reincarnation. Um, Another one which I find interesting is that you have unreasonable fears so if you have any fears that don't make sense Dr. McGrail has had incredible experience with patients who do and ha- and who have come to revelations about their previous lives. One woman he worked with had a developed an intense fear of death just because she looked up at the sky one day. She said in hypnotherapy we did a past life progression and she saw that she had been falsely accused of murder and sentenced to hang. Just before they put the hood over her head she looked up at the sky and saw the clouds. After that session her fear was gone and she went back to her formerly happy life. So if anyone got any phobias that they think might be linked to a past life? I mean, I don't know, but I'd like to tell you my phobias and then you can decide whether or not what, what Yaz and I's phobias indicate we might have uh, died of in a past life. 
Okay. So my two biggest phobias are, in fact, no, I've got three pretty big phobias. My three biggest phobias are number one, roller coasters, as you know. Number two, clowns, and number three, cockroaches. <laughs> so how do you think I died in my last life? <laughs> They're not. Yeah, I don't know if they would come as unreasonable fears, though. I they're think they sense, yeah, they're quite common fears. Yeah, so I, fair, I don't have any weird fears. Like everything I'm scared of is perfectly legitimate. Like yeah, yeah I agree. Especially when we grew up, clowns were just like the freakiest thing in the world. Mm. So I, think that's I have see, I think I've got one that's interesting because I've never broken a bone in my entire life, but the thought of breaking a bone absolutely terrifies me absolutely terrifies me so maybe in a past life i ha- i was broken on the wheel or <laughs> someone yeah or yeah. something happened where i snapped a bone and it went through my leg through the skin because that oh, actually makes me hurl oh that sounds horrible or it could just be because you've never broke anything so you're... that's true <laughs> also that something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. Thank um, you, Yasmin. And also, you need to rein us in. So, um, <laughs> the other the other fear that I have is um, really tall, slender, thin men. Oh, that that sounds like a weird fear. Is it because mm. of like scary films? Maybe we've seen when we were little. I think like, in my head, I'm just imagining like really long, creepy fingers and. I think well, it's, actually, yeah the, the slender man thing and it just looks so weird and the fact that someone's yeah. been over me and they're really thin looking I don't think that's linked to a past life but my other fear I don't like is pregnant it's not a fear actually it's just something that makes me feel uncomfortable is pregnant bellies <laughs> I mean I like to be a different reaction there. Yaz laughed. I went to say, I mean, I think that's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> it's slightly <laughs> odd that someone's growing another person inside of them. Yeah, that freaks me out. And I think that there's that a, is just, ugh, gives me the Because there's a thing inside you, that's why. There's like a creature growing inside you. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's, oh, it's weird. What are your, um, do you have any phobias or are you I, similar to us? My, one of similar like I'm terrified of like see those dolls that look really lifelike but I think that's from like watching horror films and dolls mm. coming alive and killing you so that I think's okay but my actual actual fear is falling off of things so I'm not I'm not scared of heights at all but I'm scared of being on something where you feel like you could fall see and that's that... interesting because yeah. you could have fell from a high place or had an accident in a previous life you could have been a pilot you could have been in a crash or you could have been a construction worker or something and fell off a building and that's why that's brought into your new life it's like any slightly unstable surface so even if it's standing Mm -hmm. on a chair which is not that high yeah it really scares me yeah because it might not even be really oh or you could have been no that's that's dark (laughs) obviously you could have been hung you know when they fell down the trap door My immediate thought was you as a wee old lady climbing on a chair to like fix your blinds and then falling off and like dying. Yeah, that happens quite a lot. Like even even when I went around Asia and stuff like that and you open up temples and things, I can only go so high before I feel like, oh no, this seems really unstable, Mm. I might fall. I just can't. Even though I could go up something really, really high, but if I feel secure, then I'm 
fine. So, do you have uh, any affinities with any other cultures or eras that you feel drawn to? Um, probably ancient Egyptian stuff, but that's just probably from being ancestral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, just, I, just, I feel like everyone's obsessed with that anyway. But yeah, no, that's quite common. Yeah, not really. Uh, well, I'm gonna coming towards the end of this podcast. I want to just give you some examples of, of, sort of real life stories of reincarnation. Okay. Has anyone got any before I bang on about it? Um, okay. No, I won't. The only one I know off the top of my head is the Barra Boy, but have you the, got that the one? Barra Boy. Oh yeah, the Barra. Like, so it's a really famous one. It's a wee boy that lived in Glasgow, and he was like. Just, I say he's a wee boy that lived in Glasgow. I think the wee guy's only about like 18 now. Um, I've not heard so of this. When he was about, from when he was about two or three onwards, he was a, like he would just get hysterical all the time and tell his mum that he wanted to see his other mum and she didn't know what he meant. And this went on and on and on. And she took him to see doctors and psychologists and stuff. And then she took him to see a sort of like alternative health person. And he was talking to them about... So as he got a bit older, he would say he wanted to see his other mum. He wanted to go back to Barra and see his other mum, which was weird because the family had, like, no links to Barra and they'd never been there. And obviously he was too wee to just randomly know where Barra was. But he went to speak to this um, alternative therapist and even they'd kind of said to his parents, yeah, but, like, he could have, you know, seen Barra on a TV programme or anything and just be talking about it. So he described exactly what Barra was like how he got there he was like oh when you came in like when you went off the island if you had to go back you would land but there wasn't an airport you had to land on the sand and you got off and this is what the house looked like next to the sand and then he described where he basically described how you would get from this house next to the sand to where he grew up and I, I think it was either his brother or his dad that he was able to give like an exact name of and he said and we lived there with our dog can't remember what the dog's name was either and it was a black and white sheepdog. So when he was seven, I think, the family decided that they would take him to Barra because he was just so distraught about it all the time. And when they took him there, they got off the plane and he took them on the directions that he'd already written down from this white house to where he used to live. And everything mm-hmm. was exactly as he said it would be. So every sort of little landmark he described was exactly where it should have been. And eventually when they got to the house, that was that he said was his it was set out exactly as it should have been as well and then they went and asked in the sort of local records office in the library and it turned out that the the name that he said he'd had before he was who he is now so he always said i want to go back and see my other mum when i was whatever like jim mcdonald Um, and when they went to the records office there was a man whose name had been or there'd been a mcdonald family that lived there and the brother or the dad had had exactly the name that the wee boy had said he had. And the whole time they lived there, they always had sheepdogs. They always had like black and white sheepdogs. And when he used to say to his mum, he wanted to see his other mum. And she said, well, how did you get to me? And he always used to say, I fell down and down and down. And then I kept falling and I fell through a hole. And then I fell through a hole made of light. And then I was your baby. And it turned out that the guy that he thought he was had, like, fallen on the cliffside at Barra, I think, and had basically tumbled down and died. 
but yeah, it's called The Bat. It's on YouTube. I mean, I think it's on other like documentary formats as well. But you can watch it on YouTube. It's just called The Bat Boy. It's really interesting. I've got a similar thing, um, but it's a boy called Ryan who lived in Oklahoma. Um, apparently, this a few years ago. I don't know when this article was published, though. Let me check. Uh, uh, 2019, so it must be fairly recent. So it says here, a few years ago, the four-year-old woke up screaming at two in the morning. Over the preceding months... He'd been pleading with his bewildered mother, Cindy, to take him to the house where he'd lived before. In tears, he'd beg her to return him to his glittering life in Hollywood, complete with a big house, a pool and fast cars that was so fabulous, he once said. I can't live in these conditions. My last home was much better. And this is a a four-year-old saying this. And then when Cindy went into her son's room that night, Ryan kept repeating the same words. Mummy, I'm so homesick. As she tried to comfort him and rock him to sleep, he was like a little old man who couldn't remember all the details of his life. He was so frustrated and sad. Cindy says, The next morning she went to the library, borrowed a pile of books about old Hollywood and brought them home. With Ryan in her lap, Cindy went through the volumes. She was hoping the pictures might soothe him. Instead, he became more and more excited as he looked at one particular book. When they came to a still of a scene from a 1932 movie called Night After Night, he stopped her. Mama, he shouted, pointing to one of the actors who wasn't identified. That guy's me. They owed me. She said, I was shocked. I never thought that we'd find the person he was. But he was equally relieved. Ryan had talked about his other life and had been so unhappy. And now we had something to go on. And she asked him how the, the, how he ended up you know, reincarnated. And he said, I just fell through a portal and then I was here. Which is That's, similar to the Baraboy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's strange that they both said such a similar thing. And she said it was weird that he would say some, like a four-year-old would know the word portal. Yeah. Like how- how would he know what that was? He's only a four-year-old boy. He's never heard the word portal in his life. And then it says uh, later on, they they tried to find out who this guy was. And it was on a, I think it was on a TV show or something. They investigated. Oh, yeah. In the case of Ryan, the boy longing from a Hollywood pass, an archivist poured over books in a film library until she found the person who appeared to be the man he'd singled out, Hollywood agent Marty Martin, who made an unbilled cameo in Night After Night. After Cindy spoke with Dr. Tucker, he interviewed Ryan and then the family contacted Martin's daughter. She met with Dr. Tucker, Ryan and Cindy, and along with public records, she confirmed more than 50 details that Ryan had reported about her father's life, from his work history to the locations and contents of his home. Cindy felt tremendous relief when she was told her son's story matched Martin's. She said, he wasn't crazy. There really was another family. Do you know what I find interesting about that is, is that when he started going on about how he was a Hollywood person, I thought, oh, here we go. It's just going to be someone, you know, obvious that he's seen in a movie or something. Yeah. But this guy I've never heard of and it's so obscure that how do you explain that same with the other wee boy that I was talking about that yeah it just seems like if he was like oh mum in my past life I was a race car driver and then described like a film he'd watched about a race car driver Mm -hmm. different but yeah to be like I was basically like a random farmer on the Isle of Barra and it's something, it's something so specific from the 1930s. Yeah. Like, so a, a wee four-year-old who was born in the 21st century, like the millennium, buying on about a guy from 1933 or something, like, how would they even 
be that specific but this is quite common it tends to happen with children um usually when they're toddlers and that's when children tend to speak about or remember who they were in a previous life but then when they get to the age of like eight and nine or a little bit older those memories sort of disappear and then they forget everything which is quite sad I'm sure I said to you both before that when Kai was about three or four and we were out with my dad in the car and I can't remember my dad didn't have to, out to get someone or something and Kai and I were just sitting in the car waiting for my dad to come back and just generally chatting about things that you talk to a three or four year old about and he just randomly said all of a sudden I don't always like being in cars because when I lived with my last family I died in a car and then just carried on talking about something else see that's like, really what? weird yeah just like casual as though but I think it, like you say I think it is very common with kids kind of under like six seven to be able I suppose to because they're about. so close to being dead I suppose wouldn't it because when you're born you don't remember anything before you were born so maybe at that age you are closer to that sort of past life memory but then when you grow older it just disappears yeah and the memory centers of your brain don't like scientifically speaking don't actually form until you are four or five so maybe it's like maybe it's actually like the new memory center of your brain forms so because you don't have new memories yet the old ones are still there yeah able to come out Mm. i wonder if we had any weird sort of sayings when we were young Maybe Big Fat Cheeks is someone I knew in a past life, and that's why I was so terrified <laughs> of him. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, it's when Big Fat Cheeks was a scary monster that I was afraid of. He was—he looked like King Henry VIII with, with massive cheeks and a fedora. He sounds scary. He scary. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I better go. Um, I better wrap this up because I've got to finish renovating my kitchen. So yeah, I've got that to do. I need to head on to being yeah, the middle class life. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't afford to buy a brand new kitchen, so I've got to do the whole let's do it up from what we've got. Let's just make it better. Upcycle. Exactly. Then we're putting crystal knobs in the, the door. <laughs> the door <laughs> door knobs from the crystal maze. So yeah, That's it's gonna awesome. look super sweet. Oh nice. I like it. Classy. Classy. <laughs> <laughs> Classy and kitschy. You are the meaning of expensive taste. Yeah, it looks like expensive taste, but it's cheap. That's my favourite kind, to be fair. So that was really enjoyable. I think there's so much more we can talk about reincarnation. There's so many stories that we can look at, but I like that. Um, yeah, I think it might be another one that we like come back to down the line. I feel like quite a lot of episodes we've done so far, there's other stuff we can add to them. So we can so all have like a part two. Yeah. So next part two. Oh, yeah, part two. So next week, we're going to talk about collective consciousness, which, like I said at the start, no idea. Yeah, yeah I find it very <laughs> interesting, but it's also really, really, really confusing. So it'll be, yeah. <laughs> interesting for us to try and get our heads around it next time okay then (laughs) okay then okay yep love you you. i will speak to you all the next time we record hopefully we can sort something out we're for all our busy lives but yeah okay well thanks for listening hope you enjoyed that episode and i will be saying bye. bye
espresso. Mad. <laughs> 